It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back into the final half hour of today's episode of Live Mike 237 is the time right now. And I on, on Friday before yeah, that was my birthday. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, on Friday, I was reading. I, was reading that, I don't know why I said that. Uh, it was my birthday. I was reading uh, an article uh, in the Washington Post that is sharing some details uh, out of the White House, specifically from the White House press office. It is uh, an interesting circumstance that has developed, and it is essentially a battle between those reporters who come to the White House each day to cover uh, the president and the others that work there at the White House. And and the press staff of the White House. What's happening is the White House is now telling journalists that cover uh, the the White House that they must pay for the coronavirus tests, which are are administered and are a requirement to uh, anyone entering the White House grounds. Here's the deal. Those tests each cost one hundred and seventy dollars. Up until now, the White House has been covering that fee, and there is uh, now an effort to offload that responsibility onto the journalists and their organizations themselves. There's some back and forth, and it's not yet finalized, uh, but that's the the circumstance. And so that's a, a whole interesting conversation and debate that can play out elsewhere. What it got me thinking about, though, were the, the dramatic changes that have come to the way that news is gathered and reported. I mean on the ground level, those reporters who are out there on television and here on the radio uh, every day uh, tracking down stories both at the uh, national level and right here on, on the streets of Utah. And so to help me get a better sense of exactly uh, what's going on out there, you see, for me, I, I just sit here in this uh, comfortable, protected studio all day. I'm not uh, out there and about, and that's an unfortunate thing because I don't get to learn the lessons that the reporters get to learn. Uh, joining us right now from KSL Television is uh, reporter Jed Bowl, who joins us. Jed, welcome to the program. How you doing? Doing well, Lee. Miss you. Hope you're doing well. That's the thing. That's exactly it. I thought to call you because I haven't seen you in, I think, maybe once or twice in the past year. Right? We remain colleagues and we remain working here for the same building. Uh, but I, I haven't seen you other than on television in, uh, in most of a year. Talk to me about how uh, your job has changed. Exactly. Well, I would say the reason we haven't seen each other, even though we essentially work in the same kind of desk pod there at the Triad Center, is that I think I've been in the building maybe five times in the last year, um, and I would describe it as commando style. My boss doesn't want me in the building and doesn't want people in the building who don't need to be in the building. And since I'm essentially part of a field crew every day, um, I don't need to be in the building. So we typically start off our morning instead of having our butts in seats in the building every morning at 930 for our story conference. We hold that Zoom style and then I'll get together with my photographer as we decide how we're going to go about covering our story. But for my job, I feel fortunate. Um, I feel bad for those White House reporters because there's a logistical problem that they run into there. Um, most of my job is done remotely as it is anyway, and so the phone is the first and most important tool, 
and that still works pretty well. And on most days, I don't need to be in the building. Right. Uh, how about when it comes to interacting with, say, the subjects of your interviews? The, the, the phone calls probably start reaching out to a, a subject matter expert or a witness or someone who has something to say about some newsworthy topic, uh, and then you, you make some arrangements, you arrive on the scene. How have those interactions changed? Exactly. You know, some of those kind of interactions, some interviews are easier today than they used to be. They truly are. For people who are used to working on Zoom and for those who have adapted to using Zoom or some other kind of teleconference platform, um, you know, for example, if I need to get information, I've been focusing a lot on COVID. If I need to talk to some doctors or some researchers up at the University of Utah, I can typically set those kinds of things up with a phone call, and we don't necessarily even need to be on site to interview them in person. So those kinds of interviews can actually be handled in a way that that might be deemed easier, even though it's not the preferred way to go about it. But when it comes to getting interviews from your regular people on the streets, it's not as comfortable, and people aren't as comfortable with us going through their neighborhoods, knocking on doors, or if something happens um, on a street corner, let's say there's a crash or some kind of shooting, right? Typically, we show up and we work the crowd. Well, working the crowd is a lot different than it used to be, and so we have to be very cautious and remind ourselves when we get on those kinds of scenes that, that we still have to be cautious, that there's still a pandemic in play here, and, and everybody has to be very careful uh, for each other's sake. When you when you do find yourself in in those settings and uh, you know the, the terms and parameters are agreed upon between yourself and the interview subject, uh, what are some of the tactics that you've used? I've seen uh, some footage of like those microphone extenders, and you're standing you know six seven feet away from someone and holding the microphone right. out. Uh, you have face shields. What's uh, what do those interactions look like when you try to approximate uh, as best as possible? Uh, you know, a, a traditional interview of say eighteen months ago. Right. Well, you know, as we all know, we can you can safely conduct, um, you know, getting together outside as long as you're very cautious. So sometimes we'll put a mic on a stand for somebody and, and keep our distance from them. Uh, typically, because we know it's the best practice, um, we'll keep our masks on. Um, we'll allow an interview subject, if they're for, far enough away from us, to, to take their mask off if they're comfortable with that. Um, and if their employer is comfortable with that, uh, you know, for a long time, um, many employers weren't comfortable with any of their people getting together with us in person. Mm. And we understand that. So we've been working with the subjects of interviews and, and, and people that we run into on stories the best that we can. And, and they understand that we have limitations and, and they also understand that, that we're doing the best that we can to help protect their health as well. Do you think these challenges uh, and your need to overcome them have made you a better storyteller? You know, no doubt about it. Uh, one of the things about this job is that it's something different every day. And we almost always go into some kind of new situation. So it teaches us to be adaptable and it teaches us that we have to roll with the punches because that's the nature of the job. So this is more uh, challenging because it has not only challenged the way that we t- uh, the kind of stories that we tell, but also the way that we tell stories. And so we've had to adapt more in this past year, 
but we're used to adapting. Sure. You know, w- when I started in TV, Lee, <laughs> we were on typewriters <laughs> and carbon copy paper. I'm not kidding you. And so there are all kinds of adaptations that have taken place in the course of my career and in the careers of, of my colleagues that, that demand that we make changes uh, from time to time. This is a big set of changes, but at the same time, we've also learned a great new set of tools, as any team has. Um, Every workplace team has learned new tools, uh, and when we consider our families as teams, we've also learned new tools for communicating and and getting together with each other and and how we're going to get through this together. Uh, Jed Bull, that's outstanding. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise and the example of of you know of true good earnest and adaptive storytelling that you bring to uh, the television airwaves here uh, in this great state, Jed Bull, my guest. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Lee. Look forward to seeing you soon. Someday, someday we'll cross paths again. <laughs> Quick break. When we return, we're going to continue this conversation. This time, looking uh, on the radio side, uh, I'll be joined here in studio by Mark Juke, a name and a voice you certainly recognize, the news director here at KSL News Radio. How has it been for him and his team as he has given out assignments and learned to adapt so as to bring you stories here on the radio? My conversation with Mark Juke next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. We're into the final segment of today's episode of the program. The theme of this last half hour has been the the changing tactics in the reporting and gathering of news. This kicking off, uh, or rather, this conversation kicked off with a circumstance playing out uh, at the White House right now, as a matter of fact, where uh, the White House has made it known to those White House reporters who show up for duty every day along with their crews that they are now going to have to bear the burden of the cost of the COVID-19 vaccine. And that cost is $170 per day per test. So you start thinking about things in terms of a free and open press. How is that possible if the White House is then going to be charging $170 a day? And some of these organizations, they don't have the money for that. Right. If you're a big shot like CNN or MSNBC or Fox News and you've got money coming out of the ear, well, you can you can afford to, to pay that. But how about the, the, the local outlet? Right. You've already uh, spent a bunch of money on either the rental car or the flight and the hotel just to get your reporter out there. And now on top of that, for the week you're going to be spending covering the White House, you're going to spend one hundred and seventy dollars a day. Anyway, uh, those negotiations are continuing, so hopefully something acceptable to all parties involved will be uh, reached. But what it did in my mind is it, it, it got me thinking about how the past, what, year or so has dramatically changed the tactics employed by those responsible for gathering and reporting the news. And uh, I sat there in my little cubicle and I looked around and I saw a nearly empty newsroom and I thought of all of those uh, coworkers or mine who continue to do their job but under dramatically different circumstances. Just before the break, uh, we heard from Jed Bull, who let it be known that he has only been inside this broadcast house building five times in the past year. Five times in the past year. And when he's been here, he's kind of had to sneak in, right? Because we got protocol and all that. Anyway, I asked him, has it made him a better storyteller? Uh, he said that there are certainly some challenges that have presented themselves, and overcoming those challenges has sharpened his skills. 
And I agree with that. He's a rock star. Uh, joining me now, another rock star, Mark Juke, is the news director here at KSL News Radio, man I've known for many years, and who uh, just informed me that he's in his 30th year here at KSL News Radio. You have seen over the years news reported uh, many a different way, huh? Yeah, I would say so. I was just thinking about that and adding up the adding up the time, and uh, time goes fast. We were talking about things that we experienced, like you say, a decade ago, too. So, yeah, things happen, and, but if you ask me how long this year was compared to others, I would say it felt very long, very long. Uh, and there were a ton of challenges, but I think, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's in our daily life. We work to, uh, to work through those challenges and do the best we can to bring the news to people, so... In terms of deploying your reporters each day and uh, giving to them certain expectations for you know a quality of story and a quality of information, what is what is what about this past year has challenged the, that the most? Well, obviously, the challenge uh, is the person-to-person contact, um, and you would have uh, you know in the past you'd be able to go and meet people and maybe sometimes see the same people. Uh, at the same events or be able even to maybe go out to lunch with them and things like that and develop a a relationship, a personal relationship with those people where that trust kind of comes in. And then they are willing more often then to share information with you because they trust you. And I think when we replaced a lot of that interpersonal reaction with Zoom or or whatever, uh, some of that kind of went away and and it became – potentially a little more sanitized as well, the information coming to us, because there wasn't that same opportunity to ask, for example, as many questions. Mm. You might be able to type in a question or you might be able to, you know, get one or two questions. But the potential was there and is there for a little more controlled environment uh, from the people who want to control that information to to fit their spin, their perspective. Sure. It's easy, at least in the radio business, when someone delivers you an MP3 of some newsmaker explaining their objectives and why they think that their way of going about those objectives is absolutely right and absolutely above board. Right. Uh, when, well, when in the setting you describe, if you're you know breaking bread over a table, you can kind of work through those things and you can read between the lines, you right. can read body language. Uh, a delivered MP3 does, at least, and I'll speak for myself, it is, is, it is, it is often tempting just to cut up that audio and share it with you, uh, share it with folks on Scrutinize, right. but we've got to maintain that diligence. And so we have to work a lot harder to ask those questions, and if we don't get the question in the news event, then let's keep asking those questions. Let's call and push, and, and, and that's a challenge for us to do. I remember years ago, uh, there was a reporter who just kept asking questions and asking questions, and... Uh, you know, it, it to some people it was very annoying, but other, but from I think our perspective, it was like you're pushing past this. Uh, I'll call it spin, but I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like everybody's trying to put a spin on things, right? But, but certainly get past the talking points and push and push, and finally people would kind of you'd hear them sigh and kind of then say it like it was, and and that's kind of one of the roles of of a good journalist, I think. Mark, uh, you're gonna like this. We just got a text message. It reads. Mark can't possibly be old enough to have been a reporter for 30 years. He sounds so young. <laughs> How about that? Well, I wish I wish that was the case and I I'm younger than I think I or well mentally I'm I'm younger than my uh <laughs> My age and years, but yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, very good. Uh, I, you mentioned some of those challenges. I remember uh, uh, just a decade ago, well, not not quite a decade, 2012, uh, you and I uh, and Doug Wright, and I think Peter Seymour was probably there, who has moved on in his career to Arizona, 
And uh, the, the way that I saw you overcoming challenges there, right? There are all these media scrums, and you are quite literally physically battling for <laughs> contact to the new, with the newsmaker. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw you overcome those challenges, and I'm confident that uh, as you continue to lead your team as news director here at KSL News Radio through these uh, newly trying times, now a year in, still challenges presenting themselves yeah. uh, daily. Uh, I, I admire you. I think you're doing a great job, and I am uh, confident you'll continue. I appreciate it, Lee. And, and there have been some good benefits as well. I think we should throw that in, too. So there's a 100%. lot of information available. Absolutely. And when, and when this is all said and done, a lot of the tools that we have picked up, a lot of the uh, arrows that we have sharpened, uh, we'll be able to employ in a post-COVID world and be even better storytellers than the ones we are today. Yeah, that's certainly the aim. There we go. Thanks, Lee. Uh, Mark Duke, thank you so much. Again, KSL uh, News Radio News Director, uh, stand-up guy, rock star, uh, professional, and an absolute expert at his craft. Uh, listen, I want you to go back and listen to some of the conversations we've had, in particular with Janetta Williams, with the sociology professor at Brigham Young University, looking at racial issues on campuses here in the state of Utah. Do so by downloading the KSL News Radio app, powered by Any Hour Services. Now time for Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.